We at Time to Rebuild would like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. At the YMCA Rebuild, we're in the business of reducing recidivism in Victoria, and in no way do we condone criminal activity discussed in these episodes. We support victims of crime and are committed to creating a safer community. International Women's Day has come at such a pivotal time in like the community um, and what we're all experiencing as women of what's going on in the news at the moment, especially within like the political parties and all of that stuff. So I guess this question for me affects the workforce as well because it's those higher up governmenting agencies that make the decisions and they share the different messages to the community and that's the same messages that are shared to the men that we work with as well around respect for women, understanding women, um, believing women and taking them seriously. Um, So I think that would probably be where I choose to challenge. Attention Ravenhall Correctional Centre. All prisoners please return back to your units. Count will commence in 10 minutes. I say again, all prisoners, please return back to your units. Count will commence in 10 minutes. You ask me the questions and I'll talk. I think you've been yelled at a few times, mate. That's a really good point that you make because we're, this is what this podcast is about, is giving that little side. You're, you're going you're gonna to do things that are compromised, maybe the values and morals that you were brought up with, or maybe they fall right in line with the values and morals that I was brought up having. Um, my focus is just focusing on what I'm going to do when I get out. And all the stuff that you mightn't have thought of and mm. it goes on in the prison. Yeah, like how many alarms get set off when you walk in with me, Cronin. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, lovely listeners. Uh, today's episode is dedicated to International Women's Day. Uh, now, this is a day that's only getting bigger each year, which is great to see. So me and Mick thought, what better way to honour the day than to get not one, not two, not three, but four inspiring women who play very important roles within the prison system. We start off with Jess and Shannon. Jess is a security officer and Shannon is a psychologist, both early on in their careers. And we also have a chat with Dr. Fiona Murphy, Director of Rehabilitation and Reintegration, and Dr. Sarah Gray, who is the National Director of Rehabilitation and Reintegration. We had really interesting discussions uh, with all four of them, and we spoke about gender in the workplace, juggling responsibilities, uh, having conversations um, at work that male counterparts don't have to have. But yeah, so it's really interesting to just to see the the difference there, Uh, and just working towards the common goal of a safe communities. Uh, Me and Mick loved it, and we hope you guys do too. You know, share this episode with colleagues, friends, family if you got anything out of it. And we really hope you enjoy. No, Jess and Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So we thought uh, we'd get some different perspectives about working in a prison uh, today. And today being International Women's Day. It's really good to highlight some of the great work uh, that women are doing in the correctional system. First off, what does International Women's Day mean to you? International Women's Day means to me a day of recognising the hard work of women, the achievements of women, um, big and small, like the achievements of the women who have put in a lot of the milestones to help us get to where we're at today and also the women that are in our lives and recognising all of their achievements too um, at work and, you know, in our families and just really being able to take stock 
and also it being an international day like everybody being able to really take that moment because we would hope that we can do those things on other days too um but specifically on this day we can really kind of take the merit of um all women's achievements yeah Awesome. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a good day to stop and just think about the women that we have in our life, not only at home, but in the workplace and how much progress we've made, like working in corrections. Even um, Dr. Sarah Gray did a speech before about how much progress and how many women she saw just in the gym today when she was speaking. So it's nice to just like reflect back on the progress we're making and the progress we still need to make. What is... um can you tell us each what you do in a prison, what your role is? Yeah. Um, so I'm a correctional officer. I started at GEO three years ago as um, an admin support officer. So I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, I just applied for the role and then I progressed to an admin for the operations um, managers here. And then I thought I can be a correctional officer. So I applied, got through it. And then now I've been a correctional officer for two years in the community with sentencemen. Shannon? Um, I'm a clinician, so I have a background in psychology um, and the work that we do is working to work um, with the men on their risk factors um, for recidivism about reoffending. Um, so when they are released, hopefully they've learnt a few skills around um, drugs and alcohol or um, other life skills around anger management, emotion regulation... Um, that they can take with them and hopefully make new choices once they're released into the community. And I'm, I'm curious, so when you started out in your studies, yeah, when you finished school and, and you said, okay, I'm going to go into university and, and do this and do psychology and so forth, did you envision that you'd be working in a prison or did you, that's where you were, that's where you were aiming for? Yeah, I was, which I think um, is different to a lot of people who are working here, but I always kind of imagined working in forensic psychology, um, which is this area specifically. So um, I always saw myself potentially working in a prison or walk, working with the um, court systems or um, with men in the community who have been in prison. Um, so I always kind of saw myself in that area. Um, so yeah, it's been great to be here and give it a go. Did you step into it straight away or did you, um, was this your first kind of job? It was. Yeah, it was my first job. Straight out and straight yep. into the prison. Wow. Yep. What did your, um, I'm interested to know what your family and people around you um, feel about your profession and, and probably the environment of your profession. Um. It was definitely interesting and I definitely had to have some conversations with them about the safety and security of myself coming into this kind of environment and just reassuring them um, that it was safe and secure to do so. Um, I think coming into this role from the psychology field as well, I think it took a lot of explaining um, to my friends and family about why it was important and what value it brings um, because it can sometimes be a different view of the community. as to what the work is that we do here. Um, But yeah, just kind of reassuring them that it's all safe um, and yeah, making them feel comfortable with it as well. And what about you, Jess? So going back to the, like, you know, I'm I'm maybe guessing a little bit that you might have been a little bit different to Shannon. Did you always envision that when you were going to be leaving school that your profession would end up you working in a prison? I guess not. No, not at all. 
I, like I said, I became an admin officer. Um, I didn't really know what prisons were like. I thought it was like the movies. I didn't even think that there was that many women working in here, let alone so many women in correction officer, like correctional managers. So that was a big surprise to me. And then when I looked back and saw like the people around me, I was like, I can do this. I moved into the role and having those conversations with my family, a lot of people were like, what would your, like, what would the men in your life think? What would your dad think? Do you have a partner? What does he think? And then they didn't even second guess it. They knew I was capable of doing a role like this. And I think it's completely different to what people expect. When you say you sit down with 12 prisoners monthly and you're helping them get back into the community, get jobs, like you work with the clinicians, people think that I'm walking around with like a baton and I'm like really mean, but that's not the role at all. So once you explain that and have those conversations, they understand why I chose to be an officer. Is it a difficult environment that you feel? Like obviously, you know, as for a female in, in prison, do you, do you feel it's a different environment or you, you have to in some ways um, prove yourself more? Definitely, for sure. I think that um, I found that respect goes a long way. So if you give respect, you receive that um, with staff and with the prisoners. But it is challenging. And, but that's also why I like it, because every day is not the same. I love being busy. So every day there's always something to do as well. And was it what you envisioned? Because I know like um, people sometimes get into industries and they think, you know, I want to be a, a correctional officer because I want to make change. And then suddenly the job isn't exactly what it meets. For you, it seems like it's been a little bit more than you expected. You came in as administration and suddenly you're doing CEO. Do you get everything you need from the job? Like, do you feel that you can make a, a bit of an impact with the people that you're working with? I think I can make an impact working with the prisoners on my caseload. Um, You do work really directly with them and helping them get out at the moment. I'm working with a prisoner to get him aged care because he's got no support on the outside. So feeling like you're seeing those little progresses of um, change do make you feel, but also, you know, you have prisoners that come back multiple times and you're constantly seeing the same faces. So, but you know, you can't change everyone and you can't fix people, but just making like the tiny little differences I feels like it pays off. What do you think them little differences are? What do you think like are the main attributes that you have that are important or someone should have that are important when you're working in this environment? Um, I think you can't be judgmental. Some people want to know like, oh, what are they in for? What have they done? What are they like? Like you can't judge people by that. The courts, the judge has done that. So you really need to do it by how they treat you. And um, what was the rest of the question? Probably forgot myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, I was thinking about what, what your attributes. attributes. Yeah, like yeah. what are the key attributes that you need to be? I think you have to be, to be very in? patient as well. Definitely patient. You have to be non-judgmental. And um, you just have to be willing to listen as well. And you have to be able to build a rapport. So that's where the patient comes in. Like you're not going to have a prisoner that just opens straight up to you um, or especially prisoners that have been around for a very long time. When I meet guys that have been in prison since Pentridge, I'm like, we're going to sit down and have a chat for case management. He's like, what? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean you want to help me? You're a correctional officer. So, yeah, I definitely think patience and just being non-judgmental. What about you, Shannon? You're working in a bit more, I I, I suppose, you're working with the mind a little bit more and the complexities of of, um, the men in here in the prison as well. um, How do you approach your role and uh, and what do you see as a really, you know, 
um, important way you speak to, to, the, to the men in here, but also work with them on a regular basis. Like I agree with everything that you've mentioned and having a really non-judgmental approach is really important. Um, also being compassionate and empathetic towards the men and giving them that space um, for that. There's also something we call like um, unconditional positive regard, which is where you're constantly encouraging them, um, even if they do things that are wrong, but you're encouraging them to build past that and to build strategies about how to change that behaviour without punishing them for making a mistake or doing something wrong. Um, So that's something we often use Um, well me specifically use here um, because the men might have incidences or something like that but our relationship doesn't change with them they still get that same compassion and that same empathy Um, I also think you have to be genuine um, in your care um, and compassion and non-judgmental approach because um, like you said a lot of these men have been through the system so they can tell when people are genuine and when they're not and they can read you yeah they can read you like an absolute book so being able to be genuine um, in who you are when you work with them is really important too. And I think that, you know, for a lot of our listeners, and, and this podcast is obviously about breaking down the um, pre um, or perceptions of what, you know, would be to work in here as a male or as a female. But as a female, I would think that there'd be a lot of people out there that would think this isn't an environment or they would be quite concerned if it was a family member or so forth, or it could be a dangerous environment. Do you ever feel unsafe in here or do you feel that that always attributes to how you were trained and how you approach the job? I think that you have to be aware of the safety concerns at all time and you can, um, I think, never be 100% safe within this environment. You have to always have that awareness of the risk um, that comes with working in a correctional environment and working with these men. Yeah. Yeah. From a security and safety side of things, um, you know, we're the first responders. So there has been some times where I've been like, oh my God, or a little bit nervous. Um, I've got a lot of trust in the training that I've gone through and the people I work with that are going to be able to have my back or that we're going to be able to respond in um, a certain way that's, you know, going to be able to detain a situation. Um, There's been a few times I've been scared, but I think that you know that coming into, so you can never really let your guard down. Yeah. I want to kind of reflect on the work that you guys have already done here. What would be the most uh, rewarding part of your job uh, since starting work here? Uh, For me, it would be helping the guys get parole. So when they receive the parole and say that, you know, they've got it and all that hard work that you've both done together paid off and seeing like how happy they are that they're getting out um, and seeing their families, that I didn't think that would be something that would, you know... I would be doing is helping prisoners get out of prison Mm. Um, but yeah I've found that that's the most rewarding. I think for me there's been like lots of small wins and within this job and this environment I really think it's all about the little small wins that you can really take stock of and take moment of because otherwise you can get kind of lost in a lot of the negativity that's in this environment naturally. Um, So for me it would be different for each client but it might be like um, somebody who was really closed off and not trusting and being able to build rapport with that person and give them a space to open up or it might be you know giving somebody positive feedback and them really being able to take that on board Um, it might be running a group therapy with somebody and then meeting with them a week later and then being able to remember the strategies and things that you spoke about or that they've been practicing them Um, so all those kind of small wins would be probably be it Mm. And what would be, I guess, one of the greatest challenges that you guys face? 
<laughs> Where do we stand? Is yeah. Uh, the willingness to not change. So they'll be working with clinicians and if you're some of the prisoners, you kind of feel like you have, I'm in a unit with 130 prisoners. Sometimes you feel like you have 130 children and, you know, just asking the same questions over and over again or asking for them to do the same thing over and over again. That to me is like really challenging and, you know, having to try and change their point of view or the way that they look at situations. Like they might be working with the clinicians about their communication style and then I'll try and enforce that. And there's just no like, yeah, no willingness to change. I think that's pretty challenging. Yeah, I'd agree. I think um, for me, one of the biggest challenges in working in this environment is being part of a system. Um, and trying to do our best that we can do within the systems that are like bigger and broader than us, but that they also have rules and regulations that we need to follow. Um, But knowing that like every um, man is also different um, and wanting to be able to provide them the best support within those um, policies and procedures and things like that um, can make it difficult sometimes when you're meeting roadblocks and trying to come up with creative ways that we can still help and support them within the way that we can um, yeah, and is it is it difficult because I like we've worked in this industry like for a long time, work with a lot of young people on the outside in communities as well, and I'm interested to get your take on this one as well. How how do you manage to stay in your role with the boundaries, but also you know allowing your guard to go down a little bit to be able to connect in relationships. Is it difficult at times and and, uh, and explain, maybe you can talk us through, you know, the kind of things that you have set up in that place for you, especially around boundaries maybe as well? Um, I think for me, like as a clinician, we have very in-depth personal conversations from the men's point of view. They share a lot with us. Um, so some of them naturally want to, for that to be reciprocal, um, but strictly with the role that we do is we're here to help them um, and they're not here to be our therapists. So it's about having those really um, strict boundaries with them, but also in a way that is compassionate and understanding that it's natural of human nature for them to want to know a bit about us too. So I think it's really important to actually spend time sitting and reflecting on what you are comfortable sharing and what you're not. Um, So people might share if they have a dog or they might share, you know, their favourite hobby or something like that, um, that they feel comfortable to help kind of build some of that rapport and then they'll have their definite no's as well um, that they're not comfortable sharing. And that's different for each kind of individual person along like the same guidelines, I suppose. Um, Forget the rest of the question. No, that was, I was just asking, <laughs> that was it? No, that was your answer. It was, okay. just, it was just around, it was mainly around them boundaries and how you kind of let your guard down a little bit enough to, as you said, but you're right there, Shannon, what you say, like, you know, I always found it interesting when I ask you, like, do you play sports or do you, where, where do you live, what location, and where do you go? Well, is this a genuine question or are you trying to fish something here, you know what I mean? And how much do you give and what do you give and what don't you to say that's a blanket no, you know? So, yeah, no, what you said was, was really good. And what about you, Jess? I think boundaries are very um, important in my role as a correctional officer because, like you said, they do ask questions, you know, um, I play footy, so like, who do you play footy for? What nights do you play footy? Or, you know, little things like that. If you do let your guard down, then, you know, 
they can add it up quite easily and then the wrong information in the wrong hands can be um, pretty bad. So for me, I had clear boundaries coming into this. Um, so I have to be consistent with that no matter if a prisoner tells me a lot about his life and a prisoner tells me nothing, I still have the same boundaries for all of them. So I have a dog. I'm happy to talk about my dog because I love my dog, but like I won't talk about you know who I play football for or um, what I do on the weekends or... Um, you know, any romantic relationships or anything like that. They ask really, like, questions like, where do you get your nails done and stuff? I just say, not, like, not saying. <laughs> oh, I just changed the topic. <laughs> and I think they know sometimes that it's a bit of a game for them yeah, as well. Is. So they generally are pretty respectful when you, let, like, you point out to them that yeah, you're not going to answer try. that question. Yeah. 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 yeah, It's not a shock to them. No. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're new as a correctional officer, they see what they can get out of you and um, you're taught that as well. So as long as you have a lot of self-awareness and I think you need that in this role, that's super important. And if we're looking at um, leadership um, as well and there's two two parts actually one sorry one, let me go back a little bit do you feel in in working in this industry working for geo that there's opportunities um to become better leaders for you know to move up and promotions and so forth does, does that exist do you feel within geo um within the clinical team definitely there's um a few areas that you can move up um, there's also like within the group therapy and the programs that we run, there's some that are um, more intensive. And so you can kind of move up the ranks once you get more comfortable um, and more mastery in some of the other skills, then you can start to move up. So yeah, I definitely feel like there's room to grow. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I progressed already within the three years. So not only was I um, admin officer on the switchboard I progressed and got to learn a little bit of um, intel I got to learn um, and do operations and then I went into a custodial role they have a lot of acting um, gigs as well and obviously you can keep progressing to a supervisor and a manager but there's other opportunities like I've put my hand up for the mental health committee that we've just started here at Ravenhall um, we have a reach group which is aimed at supporting each other like no matter if it's custodial or clinical um, so there's little opportunities like like that which I love so and if you look at the team for international women's age choose to challenge so if you could if you could choose to challenge something or something that we should be you know all aware of working in the prison is there anything that, that comes to mind that you think can make it even better I told you I get them on one question <laughs> I didn't I'm think sure of that coming the challenge to make Ravenhall better like yeah in, yeah like in, in the environment that yeah like it's it, like what and I think that can be in anything Jess I think mm-hmm. also it can be just whether it's prisons in general whether it's justice in general what it's just um like because uh, you know I, I think about how we can create more awareness and, and build more of a culture of respect and fairness and stuff like that so I'm just interested if there's stuff that comes to mind and um, for yourselves to you know um females working in a very challenging environment doing an amazing job but is there a way that you know um there's other, there's other ways that we can choose to challenge what is happening now to make it even better for the next round, next people coming forward. I think awareness is a good thing. Um, I, some people come into the role and they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Or you go home and people don't know what your day-to-day looks like. Family, friends, they don't really understand what it's like working in a prison and it can be very challenging. And you do see some really crazy things and you listen and especially as a clinician, I bet you hear some really horrific and sad stories as well. So I think awareness of what it's like in prisons now to work in, it's not like the movies, um, 
what we all do differently in here I think that would be good people coming into the roles in as well in here I'd like to know more about what Shannon does and I'm sure she would like to know more of what I do day to day as well so we have a better understanding yeah um I think for me like International Women's Day has come at such a pivotal time in like the community um, and what we're all experiencing as women of what's going on in the news at the moment, especially within like the political parties and all of that stuff. So I guess this question for me affects the workforce as well because it's those higher up um, governmenting agencies that make the decisions and they share the different messages to the community and that's the same messages that are shared to the men that we work with as well around respect for women, understanding women, Um, believing women and taking them seriously Um, so I think that would probably be where I choose to challenge um, at the moment yeah the answers are so amazing (laughs) I wish I could say that I I agree with you 100% do you know what really struck me now when you were about speaking as well you give so much time and you do such an amazing job you know in here helping other people um, when you do have the bad days and when you do, you know, and I'm sure there is, there is, like we know in walking this industry, you know, you can take a bit home with you, it can be heavy. Who supports you and, uh, in them moments? For me, it's my work colleagues. I don't really like telling people at home about what goes on here. I don't really want to put that on them. Um, so for me, just pulling someone aside, checking in on them and them checking on, in on me um, is, yeah, a big support for me. And I'm really lucky that being here for three years, I'm able to um, rely on different people within the company. So I think that's a big... Yeah, I totally agree. I think I have a really supportive team um, and when we're having those bad days, it's good to be able to talk to somebody who fully understands the situation that you're in. Um, friends and family can be a little bit removed, although it's you know really beneficial to talk to them as well. And I think that ability to be vulnerable when mm-hmm. you are having a bad day or if somebody said or done something and it has affected you, instead of trying to, you know, quote, be strong and just carry yeah. on, um, being able to have that debrief and share openly about how you're experiencing will help in that moment. Yeah. And... Moving forward, what do you want to achieve, you know, in the next few years? I want to have a long and um, interesting and successful career in forensic psychology. So I guess in the next few years for me specifically, I would want to um, do some of those longer term groups that are a little bit more intensive, um, get to work with the men in that aspect um, and potentially move up the ranks. I'm not sure. Um, We'll see. You've heard it it here for us. (laughs) Shannon's on the way up. That's it. Give her the job. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same. I'd love to challenge myself a bit more. I'd like to move over to um, the mental health unit here and work with some different um, prisoners and get some more experience. I'd like to work up maybe to an acting supervisor role um, in future, but pretty happy where I am at the moment. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for um, sharing I don't know why you were nervous because you just absolutely nailed it nailed it and it's so um, yeah, so insightful for myself and Mark to sit here and because and you know we, we obviously do this work we come in here and, we, and that but we don't ever really get the chance to take the time to talk to people like yourself Jess and, and you Shannon as well so I thank you so much for giving us that small little insight I can yeah. guarantee we'll be coming back for more <laughs> at a later date but um but yeah, I've no doubt that you're, you know, gee, you're very lucky to have you. And, and uh, yeah, I can imagine that you'll be running the place. We'll come back and interview you when you're uh, running the place. Yeah? So, <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So next year, yeah. is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
No, thank you. No, thanks. So we're delighted to have um, Fiona and Sarah. So Fiona Murphy and Sarah Gray, or Dr. Sarah Gray. And Dr. Fiona Murphy. (laughs) So I always forget that, so apologies. Um, That's because I know you so long. I feel we can drop the doctor. You don't have to say Dr. McCrone ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for... um, for agreeing to chat to us on the podcast as well. And, and we felt that it's really important that with International Women's Day being today, um, that we felt it was a great opportunity to um, delve into the work that, the great work that the females are doing in prison. Because um, there's a, probably a common misperception of, you know, uh, being a male-dominated industry or, you know, certain roles in a prison are occupied by males. And that might be the case in some in some other prisons and so forth, but certainly not in what I've seen in in, um, in GEO, but you correct me if I'm wrong. But it'd be really good to, to start with what your role is um, and how long you've been working, one, in Ravenhall, and two, in this industry. Yeah, so thank you. I'm happy to start. So uh, my role is Director of Rehabilitation and Reintegration for Ravenhall with GEO. So I've been with GEO since... August 2016, I think. So that was a year before Ravenhall opened, just over a year, um, really helping initially with the service development phase, working closely with Sarah in that, and then part of the commissioning and now operational team. Um, my role is overseeing the rehabilitation and reintegration unit here, which really is about the programs and services that we provide to the men to reduce their risk of reoffending. Um, in terms of corrections, I, I've, I'm a forensic psychologist, so I've worked in um, forensic settings, if you like, since about 2003, 2004, and in corrections itself, I started in 2007. So through that time, a, a fairly long journey through a range of prison environments, um, been exposed to lots of different prison environments and feel very fortunate, I think, to, I think, to have ended up at Ravenhall, um, which is the most exciting and innovative prison I've ever heard of or been part of. So that's kind of my journey to, to here today. And my name is Sarah. Um, I started in this industry about 20 years ago, 18 to 20 years ago. Um, I, like Fiona, did my doctorate in forensic psychology um, and then went straight into corrections. Um, worked in community corrections, I've worked in the women's prison, I've worked in men's prisons, I worked in head office, program development roles, leadership roles with Corrections Victoria and then came across to GEO um, back in 2015. Um, so just had my sixth year anniversary. Um, so my role is a National Director, Rehabilitation and Reintegration. So I'm part of the Corporate Director Group at Head Office. Um, and my role is to support uh, Fiona and my other R&R or Rehabilitation and Reintegration Managers uh, to provide really good quality uh, rehabilitation reintegration services that are backed by evidence, best practice, to make sure that everything that we do um, contributes uh, to reductions in reoffending. And I'm interested, um, when you started out, when you were doing your study and uh, you went to uni and so forth, did you always envision there was a, you know, that you would end up working um, in the prison, in, in, in a prison? Or was it, you know, was that what you were aiming to do or did you just... 
I think I was probably pretty naive about what a forensic psychologist did. So I was probably um, part of it was the bright lights of some of our TV shows and things that we watch and thinking I was going to be a CSI. End up, yeah, or end up, end up a profiler or something like that. Um, and then I, I did my undergrad in psychology and criminology and really just had a, a passion for understanding how people ended up in, in the criminal justice system. And if I could do something or be part of changing that trajectory for people. And so um, that passion just became greater, I think, through my studies, through um, undergrad psychology and criminology and then going into the doctorate, um, similarly to Sarah, the doctorate, and really really then understanding some of the, the theories that underpin defending behaviour and understanding how we could do things differently. Um, and I think for myself through that time, I know there is still a smaller cohort of people who have um, a passion and interest and a capacity to work in this space. And um, because of that, I, I think you almost have an ethical responsibility to come and work in this space if you are passionate and capable of doing so because the men and women that we work with in corrections have, um, have the right to get treatment and get different opportunities that enable them to go out and live better lives and, and therefore also creating um, safer communities as well. Mm. I guess my trajectory was similar. I was always interested in the legal system when I was in, at uni. Um, but my mum also worked at Fairley. Um, and so she used to tell me lots of stories um, about what that was like. Um, and I always listened um, with great curiosity about what that would look like. And hence my first prison was the women's prison next door at Dame Phyllis Frost Centre. Um, so I, I, would, I don't think I knew that I would always work in prisons, but I knew that I would always work in a space where psychology was interacting in some way, shape or form with the legal system because uh, the rule of law and the legal system did fascinate me quite a lot. So not surprised about where I've landed, um, but not necessarily set out to yeah. work in prisons. Mm. Has a lot changed. So if you, if you go back, um, not too far because you're very young, um, <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you. <laughs> See that, Mark? That's, that's a red, red hot tip there, Mark. Just take that one out. Um, <laughs> but when you go back and you um, you look at it, I forgot my title question. What was it? Has much changed? Yeah, no. Sorry. When you go back and you look at it, has much changed um, from when you started? Like, was it a diff- difficult um, environment to come out of uni? Um, and, and calling it out as a young female to go into, the, go into this industry, was it difficult? And have you seen a lot of significant changes over the years? Yeah, look, I think it was difficult. A young female coming into what has been a really traditionally male-oriented domain it is difficult. Um, there are certain perceptions of women, the way they look, the way they speak, the way they behave, um, that they may pose a risk within a correctional environment, particularly working with male prisoners. Those were some of the kind of attitudes or beliefs I think you have to contend with or had to contend with when I first started in corrections. Um, and that manifested both kind of in systemic ways, but also the way then groups or individuals would treat you um, within the environment. So I think that was a, a challenge and it is difficult. I think now is not without difficulty, but we have come a long way. So, you know, just even looking at the number of female leaders across Corrections Victoria, across GEO um, as well, who have really paved the way and been instrumental, I think, in, in making it easier for 
women now to come into the space, again, not without challenges, but have really led the way in buffering some of those things, have led the way in demonstrating that women have value, expertise, knowledge, um, personality and and behaviours that are a fit for this environment and are just as important as what men can bring. And in fact, more so sometimes And working with male prisoners, I think, you know, some of the things that influence their offending can be um, really traditional kind of male values and stereotypes. And so having women available to also challenge those is important for learning and changing offending behaviour. So we have come a long way and I'm really proud to see the how far corrections has come and I'm really glad to see that for the women that we are employing here at Ravenhall too Um, but we have a way to go still and I think we have the right people in place you know people like Sarah people who are leaders in Corrections Victoria the substantive commissioner Emma Kasser but also Mel Weston and, and Larissa Strong and those people who are in positions where they can influence and change the system and are, are really equipped to do so. And I think that's a really exciting time. I would say this is one of the most exciting times for women in corrections that I've ever seen or experienced, which is great. Mm. And I'd probably echo what Fiona said, really. I think when I first came into the industry, there was quite a lot of suspicion. You know, um, what did this young woman want to be doing in a prison why on earth was I there um what was I trying to achieve um you know uh, you know some people both men and women were suspicious it wasn't just the men that were suspicious you know women also wanted to know what I was doing there um and I think it was always equated with this um you know uh incorrect belief that, that we were there somehow because we, we wanted to spend our days doing who knows what, you know, with people in custody, whether it's men or, or women for that matter. So just a lot of suspicion, you know, why are you here? What are you trying to do? And, and like Fiona, I think I've had many people, um, many people throughout my journey question, um, question me, um, tell me that the way I look is risky, um, you know, and, and you can't afford to have long hair in a prison and you you know you best not wear any makeup not that I really wear makeup but you can't do these things that make you look feminine because being a woman in prison is a really risky thing um and I always used to think and and even prisoners I must admit even prisoners have said to me with suspicious um you know 20 odd years ago people even they would say to me you know do you feel unsafe when you're here and I honestly have never felt unsafe um and I I said no you know I'm it doesn't matter whether I'd be working with male prisoners or female prisoners I'm here for the same reason which is to help people find a different narrative and find a way to change and find a way to to not have to come back into custody and to live that life that they want for themselves and for their families but the suspicion was always there it's not there as much today I think um, compared to what it might have been some time ago. And I think even the gender balance is better today. Um, you know, certainly across our business, there's a, approximately 44% women. And within our director group, 50% women, um, which it hasn't been previously either. So there's a lot more women in our industry and a lot more women working in both custodial ranks um, and non-custodial ranks. So, um, yeah, a lot of suspicion. Yeah. And look, I've known you both for a while and I've always been, you know, um, admired the work that you do, but also admired, like, you know, how you carry yourselves and, and how you lead. And um, I've seen you both in, in leader capacities as well. And, and um, it's, it's very natural to the both of and, uh, and And I think anyone that's, you know, around that would see that. Um, what do you feel is really important 
you know, being a female leader, like what, what are the attributes or what are the, the behaviors or the actions that you, that you take? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I think one and what I've tried to hopefully communicate to, to other women and, and men as well is it's about being one authentic and true to yourself and, and being genuine in the person you are. I think that's ultimately one of the best things we can do as a leader. I think also women can present differently to men and I think that can also be a strength in this environment. So it's for me it's about being empathic, compassionate, understanding of people, being genuine, showing some vulnerability sometimes, showing who you are as a human um, gives you a sense of connection with people and I think that's really important. I think the best leaders are the ones that connect with the people around them and that people want to genuinely listen to and hear from and and walk alongside, I guess, not follow, walk alongside, because I think as a leader, that's what you need to do with your staff. And that's not easy um, in, a, in a prison of this size, in my role and a team of this size. It, it, it's complex and it's difficult. But I think, one, if you give people time, you invest in them, you show that you're real and you show that you want to know them and understand them, that goes a long way. And then the other part for me is really loving and being passionate about what you do. You know, again, the best leaders, I think, care about what they're doing, are driven um, in the space that they work in and want to make a real difference. And again, I think that's something that I feel fortunate myself to be able to work in a place like Ravenhall because I get to live and breathe that every day, which is fabulous. But I also get to surround myself with other people who do the same. And that's inspiring. You get as much from other people as they get from you and I think leaders never stop learning or growing and and they need to recognize what they get from the people around them and again I'm so fortunate with the team and the colleagues and other people that I work with in this environment to get that every day. Yeah look I think for myself um, I think I think I care more than anything I, I care about people I care about my staff I care about our you know our prisoners the people in our care um but I see people as people too rather than looking at people I think as employees you know everyone has their own background their own story their own history and all of those things impact on their ability to do their job um, and to do their job well and I think for me I hope that I come across as a caring compassionate open-minded leader um and really um as I like to say to my team you know that will always back people in you know every single time um that's how I want to that's how I want my people if you like to feel I want them to feel supported I want them to feel like they matter and that what they do is important um and and that we've got their backs you know that we understand what their day-to-day looks like and it's difficult in this industry our day-to-day looks very difficult different sorry to other people's um day-to-day and I think the fact that we've been there and we've done it for such well such a long time we've done it for 20 (laughs) years we understand we know what the day-to-day feels like and it's challenging and it's difficult work um for all people um, working in this industry so I hope they feel cared about and I hope they feel supported I got a, a, a yeah tricky well not a tricky question an interesting question for you both. I um, I've, you've always struck me both as, as extremely busy um, in your jobs. You know you do an amazing job. You take on so much responsibility. You've got big responsibility as well. Um, in the industry, like, do you feel 
being a female in the industry that when it's been really tough and really hard and you've got so much on your plate that in some way you've had to be a little bit stronger in some ways you haven't been able to reach out that little bit earlier than someone else might because you might be perceived in a way or whatever is there is there any of that still element there do you know what covid has been telling i think um i think covid has really um helped in some ways to see what we're capable of but also helped us to see the real challenges that we face so we're both full-time mums um you know fiona and i both have two kids at home as well so working a full-time job um, and being a full-time mum and during covid of course we were all homeschooling as well so you know yes there were absolutely days where where i couldn't face the fact that the next day once again i was going to be trying to compete you know, with ensuring, if you like, that I was doing a good job at work, I was doing a good job as a mum, but also I was homeschooling my kids effectively because if I wasn't, there was no one else there to do it. So I think last year, in terms of balancing, balancing what it's like, if you like, to, to carry out some of those gender norms, being the mum at home and um, and being the teacher at home. You know, my partner is in police, um, so couldn't work from home. Um, so therefore, it was all down to me. And I think, yeah, for me, that was a massive challenge. And um, I'm quite open about saying it was difficult. You know, there were days when I just went, not today. <laughs> I can't do today. Um, so, yeah, I think... Um, I think working as working as a female, but also having you know multiple competing demands and roles, um, has been really difficult. But you know what, we got to the other end, and, and oh, it wasn't just me. There are many people out there who had to balance multiple competing needs, um, and we got there. But it was a true understanding of how far I could be pushed. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great point. I think that did a lot to everyone, you know. And, and from a male perspective, like I am, um, I was able to go and go to work. I had a permit to go to work and do that. So, you know, I will openly say I was the worst homeschool teacher ever. Um, I, I couldn't even get through school myself. So I, the chances <laughs> of my kid and me being able to pass on any knowledge was just ridiculous in concept. But I can only imagine n- knowing, you know, the enormity of the, of the job that you do, that, that's another element that we didn't even think about, that you had that on top of that as well. So, And look, my situation's probably a little bit different in the sense that I, um, my home situation is different in the sense that my husband was able to uh, work from home and be at home with the children. So what I think it showed me was that you can reverse roles sometimes if you like and that I was fortunate again to come to work and continue to do the hours that I, I did and put everything I could into here but needed someone there to support me to do that and he really enabled me to do that both um, practically and physically, if you like, but also psychologically and gave me permission to do that. Um, and that was good for me to, to say it was okay that I wasn't there doing the homeschooling, that he was able to do that because of his work circumstances and it didn't make me a bad mum or it didn't mean I wasn't caring for my children and I think that's probably you know the question you asked when I reflected on it I don't know that I've ever consciously um, you know not said hey this is too much for fear of of coming across weak I guess Mm. but maybe it 
it is subconsciously um, that we feel like we have to present sometimes as invincible and doing the best job ever, both in your personal life as a mum and also in your work life. And and you can never live up to those expectations and you get imposter syndrome in both, to be honest. You know, you either think I'm not a great mum, but I'm also not great at work and I'm I'm not doing any of this very well. And I think where where I've got to is a point where I've gone hey give yourself a break you know you you come and you commit to your work and you commit to your job and you go home and you care for your children and you love them and you support them and maybe you don't do all the things that a mum who doesn't work or or is staying at home for this period of her life does but that's you know not better it's not worse it's different and and just make the most of um what you're doing and be good role models for your children too. I do want my daughter to make whatever choice she makes in life and if that is to really invest in a career, I want to have role modelled that for her. If it's something different, that's okay too but I want her to believe that she can do anything she wants and do it well and so demonstrating that to her in in what I say and what I think, uh, in what I say and the way I behave is really important to me. Mm. So when she says, uh, Mom, I want to uh, walk into prison... You go, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get the application form out. Yeah. Better to work than end up in a different way. <laughs> okay. No. no. Yeah. Being International Women's Day, for what I've seen, it's gotten strength to strength each year. Looking forward, what would you want it to look like in the future? Mm. That's a good question. That's a tough one. You've got a so stamp. I, th- I think it would be nice. Like today, you know, we, we heard from Sarah and we reflected on where we've come from but also where we've got to but what we also heard about was hope for future and hope for ongoing change and I hope I look forward to the time when we're talking less about hope for ongoing change and needing to make some big changes and a time when we can really reflect on where we're at positively and be talking about maintenance and sustainability of where we've got to rather than ongoing change Um, and when we can talk about have men talking as much about that in that space as women um, that's where I hope we get to Uh, it's a while I would say but you know that's what I look forward to yeah you know what I think it would be lovely if it was men championing championing um, International Women's Day my nine I've got two sons and my nine-year-old son said to me yesterday in the car on the very long drive home from Bright, um, we were camping on the weekend, he said to me and um, Steve, my other half, he said, Mum, what is this? Because I said, I'm, I'm doing a speech tomorrow. You know, we've got six hours on the road, so let's talk about stuff. So we were talking about gender equality. And my, my nine-year-old said, Mum, what does that mean? What is gender equality? And I glanced across at my other half <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, which one of us is going to answer this question? Yeah. Will it be me saying what I think gender equality is, or will it be Steve saying what, and you know, hearing from him? And interestingly enough, it was Steve who answered the question and not me, which I thought was wonderful. But I think it's about men being able to say it's not just about um, women's equality; it's just about people equality. So my, so Steve said, um, well. Um, Many years ago, um, I wouldn't have been able to be a stay-at-home dad because that was not that was not a gender role for males. And when my kids were really little, because like Fiona, I've always either been full-time or I've been very close to it with corrections. Um, I did do a period of four days a week, but that was only one day different. So when, um, when I have been at work, my other half has been working part-time. 
he's still part-time today um, in order to provide additional support to our boys and be the stay-at-home dad so that I could go to work. Um, and he said, so many years ago, you know, um, dads it, it would dads wouldn't be going and, and um, looking after the kids at home with, with their wives going to work. But today, gender equality means that I can be a stay-at-home dad. And I thought, that's another way of looking at gender equality I think from a different perspective it's not always about what do women want and how do women want to be seen as equivalents it's also about what men want you know and how how do men see gender equality and I thought I didn't even have to answer the question you know Steve took the full answer about how he sees that I can be a stay-at-home dad and not be judged for it today though I would have been several years ago and I thought you know, it was just—it was just great that it wasn't me answering the question. Yeah, yeah. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's great that you can get like. But what? What do you think needs to happen for more of that to happen? So you know, like, what do you think needs to shift? Because you—you you know, your Steve is obviously you know, um, comfortable and confident to answer that question. But I would suspect there's a lot of males out there that, that are a bit afraid of that sometimes of jumping in that space or talking about that as well. So how do you think we can get to that point where not every male, but we can shift that in the right direction? I think we need to start by being open to the conversation. And I think, you know, when we start to talk about gender equality or equality for women and things like International Women's Day, there can be a preconception, I think, that we are going to just be focused negatively on males or or talking badly about men and not women. I mean, gender equality and, and enabling equality for women is everybody's role and responsibility, men and women, and it should be something we're doing together. It's not a male bashing thing. It's not a women bashing thing. It's about what is a collective conversation we can have about this and how do we enable people to feel safe in doing so and I think where we get to sometimes is a space where men can feel criticised or or um, uh, criticised I guess and, and therefore become quite defensive and we don't have open dialogue so I think it's about how we work together to create open dialogue but also create an opportunity for self-reflection. I think everybody needs to reflect and be willing to reflect on themselves and what they do and how they contribute to a space of, of promoting equality for everybody and being comfortable to do that. And that's you know, that's difficult for some people. It's easy for other people. It's something some people need to learn and develop over time. Um, but I think if we could start as a, an organisation and a society and as an industry in terms of creating safety in this space to have the conversation that is a collective conversation, I think that's... Halfway there to, to promoting what we need to. And well said. And do you, do, you, do you think that GEO is along, do you think that's where the, you know, the organisation, where the, the company is, is strong on this? Do you feel that, that that's the support and you feel that that's, that's the direction that you feel it can go? I think that um, as, a, as a business, we acknowledge um, both men and women and our strengths both combined and separate. I think we do everything we can to increase gender balance within the organisation because I think um, we are well aware that men and women, again, bring different things to leadership. You know, as I say, um, one of the things we talk about a lot as women is that it's okay to get emotional, you know, and quite often what you see is, again, um, 
sometimes male leaders can be, you know, a little aggressive and it might be applauded because it might be an expectation that strong strong men and strength is, is that's how that looks. But for women, you know, um, sometimes we're labelled, if you like, aggressive or emotional simply because as a woman we're actually getting a bit, you know, frustrated with something and we're standing up as well and saying no you know um this is not the way that it is and and you know my experience has been and I'm sure Fiona's too is that sometimes you know because we're females that can be also mistaken you know for emotionality rather than just um a different voice um sharing a very similar opinion but I do think Geo values the fact that men and women um, do bring different voices and like I said the, the director group now is, is 50% female so we're quite balanced now I think as well um, and I'm not afraid to bring my voice to any conversation um, whether it's popular or unpopular so um, yeah look I think that they're striving uh, I, they we are striving um, you know to ensure that we do have equality across our business and I would agree with that. And I think days like today, International Women's Day and the opportunity for, say, Ravenhall as a centre, and I know other locations did too, but to come together and celebrate and recognise the day and start to have the conversations about what we do well, but what are also ongoing areas for for continuous improvement, to, to continue to create safety and opportunity for women in our workplace and women in our industry. Um, Geo's willing to do that and did that today and we'll continue to do that and I think that shows um yeah the the willingness I guess or the the desire by the organization and the individuals in it to do that won't doesn't mean there won't be hard conversations ongoing but I think there is a willingness and an openness there and I think that's what women want to see that's the primary thing that that continues to motivate us and drive us and keep us in the industry and the organization What's next for going back, switching back a little bit now to, to Ravenhall, yeah, and prisons and programs and, and the intention it is um, of the prison. And like, you know, we've been, I say, I've known you for a while and I was there the very early days of when we were building the charter and, and, and what we're all striving towards and, and where we're at now. And it's amazing when I come in now, like I haven't been in for a while and doing the podcast has allowed me to come back in again and, and actually speak um, to, to the men in here, which I've absolutely loved. Um, and taking a lot from it as well. Where do, where do you see the next opportunities for, you know, not building more prisons, but the next opportunities for working on programming within a prison or making change? Do you see there's some opportunities um, to even build on the great work that's been done here? And if, if so, in what kind of directions could you, could you see that going? So I'll probably talk first about sustainability and then Sarah might talk about growth and future um, areas of focus. I guess for me, we're three and a half years in. Um, my first Greenfield site, so I know Sarah's been involved in commissioning, um, it probably you know, has come therefore as a surprise to me about the, the, the amount of work that goes into um, operationalising a model that we'd all talked about for so long and that it's an ongoing body of work for me at the moment. So where I want to also get to is making sure that the model and the aim and the vision that we all committed to and we're all passionate about and excited about is 
sustained and that we've got you're not reliant on Sarah or myself or Cole or others to be at that table driving that that you've got the systems and the processes in place that the model is self-sufficient if you like irrespective of who the individuals and who the personalities are so I guess as well as ongoing continuous improvement and innovation my head kind of is in that space at the moment um, because that for me is the remains our ultimate responsibility you know I want to change Ravenhall but I want us to change the system I want us to influence the broader Victorian and Australian and international correctional systems through the work that we do and to do that we've got to get this right and get it to exactly what we said it was going to be and create sustainability in that so I guess that's for me the focus but I know Sarah's bigger picture kind of (laughs) helicopter view compared to me looking across GEO and, and looking at all our centres in Australia, so probably is more in that space. Yeah, look, I guess I'm, I'm a bit ambitious. Um, I, li- I like to think that we can always do better, so I'm always looking at what we could do better. Um, for me, I think areas of focus um, have been for some time but continue to be things like social climate, you know, what kind of um, culture do we have in our in our prisons and do they promote change? Really, do they promote change? And is every layer of our business um, promoting change? And if not, why not? You know, how are we recruiting, you know? So I think that innovation, as I say, there's lots of things we're trialing at the moment with technology. Um, You know, how can we do our programs better? How can we do um, rehabilitation differently how can we be more responsive how can we make sure that we're bringing the right people to the table to deliver the messages that we need to deliver Um, how can we do reintegration better so we have our bridge center and we have our post-release support that you know only only geo is doing um, you know in Australia in terms of ongoing voluntary support for people leaving custody and 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 essentially giving them access to anything that they need post-release. You know, we really don't have rules around that. You know, I think I've said to our team on more than one occasion, um, when I've heard them talking about eligibility, you know, there are no rules. If you left Ravenhall, we will support you. You just need to tell us what you need so that we can capacity build and get them back into the community um, with everything they need in place to the best of our ability. So I think for me, I'm always looking, what can we be doing better? Um, I always want to get in first too. I can't help myself. So (laughs) I want to find the things that we ought to be doing. I want to learn from it and then I want to get it implemented and and get things going. And I think that's the beauty sometimes of working, you know, within a private operator is that, you know, we really can, um, we have a research team, Geo has a research team, which I also head up now. Um, And we can really go out to market, look at what people are doing and go, let's try that. And, you know, within a few weeks we might be trying it, you know, and and well supported by Corrections Victoria to do that. So um, I'm always very excitable um, about doing new and different things. But social climate, coming back to where the growth is, that's where corrections really need to spend some time um, because the climate of our prisons can be improved. I think we try really hard, but we've still got some way to go. And I think you're right, and that is about the sustainability, isn't it? Re- rehabilitation isn't just a model or a department. It's got to be a rehabilitative culture, and that comes from the social climate of the prisons. And once we 
get that in place in prisons, then we have sustainability. That is your culture. That is the pervasive mm. environment that you work in and everyone operates um, in line with that. So I absolutely agree that's mm. um, paramount to, to what mm. we're doing and how we influence the broader system mm. as well. So what I'm hearing there, Sarah, is you're open to ideas. I've got a whole book. Yeah. Yeah. So finish this, I've got a few. Of course. Yeah. I've got a book of ideas. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the top ideas mixed up annoying me. Have <laughs> <laughs> um, you got any more questions? I was just thinking as well, you know, going back, let's cast our minds back a little bit, but if, you know, 18-year-old um, Fiona and 18-year-old Sarah were there and you could give them some advice, what would that be? For me, it's simple. You can do whatever you want there may be obstacles there may be barriers it may be really challenging sometimes and you might feel overwhelmed but if that's what you want and that is your passion don't give up and also look for those people around you who can support you in that who drive you and motivate you and encourage you look for your mentors look for people with shared visions and values and and engage with those people they drive you and motivate you as much as anything else but Believe in yourself and believe that if that's what you want to do and that's your goal, then you can achieve it. Yeah. If I was talking to my 18-year-old self, I'd say, you've got this. That's all I would say. Mm. I think, you know, these days we can do anything. And um, as a young woman looking forward, I think, you know, just need to say you've got this. Mm. Yeah, well, look... Thank you so much. Like I, I say, I, I don't, um, I mean this sincerely, like I've, you know, been very privileged to walk alongside you from like from the days, day I first met you to see what you've done and I've always been so admiring, not just of how much you do, but how you go about it um, and how you get people to go along with you for that as well. It's one of the skills that I don't think he's both them ever uh, talked about, but, you know, being part of the this prison being built, I like I was only speaking today about how much I've learned in that whole process of being brought in but it was made a lot easier you know because of your leadership both your leaderships as well and how you approach things how you walk with people but how you articulated the the kind of um, vision as well so um, I'm sure your staff are very very lucky to have you um, and uh, you know I can only imagine what you're about going to do in the future as well so thank you so much for sharing that it was um, so great to be able to hear your views on this and and uh, and pick your brains on some things and uh and i hope you uh yeah we might be coming back for some more at some other later stage you're welcome thank nah, you thank you Thanks, and happy guys. international women's day if anything in today's episode has raised any issues for you or someone you know head over to our website for a full list of services that may help at ymcarebuild.org.au under the podcast tab this podcast was produced by mick cronin and mark wilson Editing done by Mark Wilson. This podcast has been approved by Corrections Victoria and Geo Australia.